Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! What's going on, Ball and Glove Lover Brewer fans? Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast, which is affiliated with Wisconsin Sports Heroics. I'm your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. You can find my writing by following reviewing the Brew and Wisconsin Sports Heroics on Twitter. Trevor, my cheesehead loving buddy, is joining me here today. He is the host of the Packers Trilogy Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. So it was a very gloomy weather weekend in both Milwaukee and St. Louis this weekend, but the Brewers come out ahead with another series dub against the division foes. So before we get into all the action, how was your weekend, Trevor? I had a very good weekend. It it was good. As you know, Tyler, got to see some old friends over the weekend, which was nice. Um, But I am also very excited about this series. You know, we see the bats come out in this series, which I think is is a lot of fun, especially knowing how the pitching has been so far. It has been pretty damn good for the majority of the season so far. So it's nice to see the bats kind of spring to life over the last two games, too. Yeah, going back to Freddie Peralta's last start through that rotation, the starting pitchers have an ERA of .32. So that's an, that's insane. I don't know if you'll find a better starting five than that's granted one time through the rotation, but you got what you asked for. You wanted offense to come alive, and they finally did this series. So let's get into some of that action here. As always, we'll quickly recap the games. Game one was on Thursday, thinking all the way back that far. That was the Cardinals' home opener in which the Brewers were unable to play spoiler in on Corbin Burns' day. But Burns was electric again. He pitched a one-hitter through six innings of baseball. The first and only hit he gave up was to the first batter of the game. That was Tommy Edmond, who began with a leadoff triple. Yelich had a chance to catch it, but as he laid out, which I'm not exactly sure he needed to, he like overran the ball. So the ball ended up like rattling out of his glove. And then next thing you know, Tommy Edmond was standing at third base. And you're like, oh boy, let's see how Corbin Burns gets out of this one. And he did. He retired the next three batters via strikeout, an infield pop-up to Arenado, which I thought was just huge, and then an easy outfield flyout. The Brewers also threatened in the first inning, but unfortunately were unable to come away with any runs. They had the bases loaded. Lorenzo Cain up to bat, and Dylan Carlson made a spectacular over-the-shoulder catch to rob Lorenzo Cain, which would have cleared the bases had it fell. And But like as spectacular as that catch was, in the third inning, Dylan Carlson had a brain fart and cost his team a run, which was the Brewers' only run of the game. That inning began when Hira hit a leadoff double, which finally snapped his 0 of 20 hitless streak. When he was at second base, Adam Wainwright attempted to pick him off, airmailed the ball into center field. 
Dylan Carlson charged it, and the ball just went right under his glove. So Kesson here was able to walk home from there. The Cardinals would end up getting their first run in the seventh inning. Eric Yardley was pitching, but it wasn't all entirely his fault. He got the first two batters out really easily. Then he gave up a bunch of two-out hits, a single to Molina, a double to Dylan Carlson, and then we intentionally walked to load the bases. You have a force out at any base. All right. And then you're thinking, okay, Yardley, you can get out of this. Generate an easy fly ball, a ground out. Do your thing, man. Like he's a ground ball pitcher. He gets a grounder to Luis Sirius. Well, Williams was on first for the Cardinals. He's got great speed. And it didn't look like Urias was going to win the foot race there, but he took a few steps to try and do that. And when he realized he wasn't going to make it, he ended up throwing to first and everyone ends up being safe. So that's how the Cardinals tie the game up. And then an inning later with the game tied at one, Drew Rasmussen ends up giving up the go-ahead bomb to Nolan Arenado, who now officially has started his quest as a Brewers killer in a Cardinals uniform. Game two was a Hauser versus Martinez game. The Brewers came out hitting. They had four base knocks in the first inning, all with exit velocities over 102 miles per hour, but just one run to show for it. That came via Travis Shaw. It would take until the Brewers until the fifth inning to score again, despite many hits in between. And this time it was Avisil Garcia hitting a ball off the bat at 110 miles per hour for a two-run homer. During all that, Hauser was just dealing ground balls. He ends up going five innings, so that's 15 outs. Gets 10 outs via the ground ball and ends up turning two double plays. He should have turned three ultimately, but unfortunately Kesson Hira had a miscue because it wasn't labeled an error while attempting to turn a double play. There was a grounder hit right at Keston and he decides to throw it a second base to get the first out. And rather than taking just one or two steps to clear the runner, he tries to throw it like over the top of him and ends up throwing the ball in the left field. Everybody's safe. And then he gets charged with an error in the sixth inning. This time, he just let a grounder go right underneath his glove. And damage was done. Two Cardinals scored as a result there. The Brewers bounce back, though. In the seventh, they add five runs. Yeah, five runs as obviously Garcia picked up two more RBIs. Kessel Hira hit a three-run homer. Kind of makes up for his error. And then the Brewers end up having a blowout at that point, and they said, all right, Josh Limboom, we'll give you the last two innings here to work. He ends up giving up a couple earned runs, but didn't really matter. Brewers win 9-5, to five, which sets up game three. That was the rubber match, and the Brewers were able to strike first again. This time they had a four-run first inning, followed by a three-run second inning. So the key highlights there were three-run homers from both Avisil Garcia and Travis Shaw. For Garcia, this made consecutive days with a home run for the first time since May of 2019. Brett Anderson was on the mound for the Brewers, did not have his best stuff, ends up throwing 91 pitches over five innings, only allowed one earned run, so good damage control there because he there were a lot of runners on base all day long. In the sixth inning, Eric Yardley's early season struggles continued. He ends up walking the first batter of the sixth inning, hits the second batter, gives up a bloop single, which has the bases loaded, and then Austin Dean doubles to bring home two runs. There are, you now have runners on second and third, and Yardley ends up getting bailed out of this inning by a very, very strange double play. There's a routine grounder hit right at the shortstop. They get the, the out at first. The runner at third holds, but the runner from second moves the third. So all of a sudden you have two Cardinals on third base, 
and Dan Vogelbach has the ball, and he goes sprinting, streaking across the infield, because rather than throw it and let the runners get a jump, he just decides to run right at him, which is kind of a scary sight, I'm sure, to see. And the fact he was running across the infield, uh, but they end up taking Austin Dean out there. And that really allowed Eric Yardley to essentially get out of the inning. From there, uh, afterwards, it was Feierheisen Boxberger who finished up the game in relief for the Brewers. But man, Dan Vogelbach there, that was the highlight of the game. So as I said earlier, Trevor, you wanted the bats to come to life, and they certainly did. So what were your thoughts on this series? I know you're going to talk about the offense. I have a gut feeling. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the offense, as you said, came to life. And that is what we needed, right? I was talking about, in our last recap, I was talking about the other guys showing up. And that definitely happened in this series, right? And it doesn't have to be everyone, but some of the other guys definitely showed up. Avi Garcia, obviously, seven RBIs on the on the series showed up big time. Travis Shaw, home run, four RBIs, he showed up. And then we also get on a more limited sample size, Manny Pena showed up three for four with a walk, a home run, and two RBIs. You know, those guys really started to show up, and we kind of to my eyes, got middle of the road, at least offensively, Christian Yelich. And then we also got kind of middle of the road, Keston Hira, I think, too. You know, a guy that still going to have his strikeouts, but they're definitely down from the beginning part of the season, right? First few series. And now we're starting to see the hits come up. And knowing Keston, you'd expect them to be some some nice hits, some extra bases, and he gets a double and a home run in this one with three RBIs. So the kind of extra guys or some of the extra guys stepped up in this one. And I think that's important. Um, As you mentioned, Lorenzo Cain kind of got robbed. You know, he didn't have a great series, but I don't think he had a bad one. Overall, I think the offense was very good. There was some people that struggled, but overall, I thought the offense was phenomenal. And I mean, just based on the last two games of, you know, 18 runs over the last two games, that's pretty damn good, and you can't complain about that. And then on the other side, pitching was pretty damn good. Like, you can't complain about the pitching very much at all either, I don't think, because, you know, even when they were giving up a few more runs, especially in that second game, they gave up five, but the offense had nine, so it really didn't matter. So Burns, incredible yet again, and somehow doesn't get the win, which is frustrating, but he is continuing where he was last year um, and he might actually even be better, which is incredible to think. I think Adrian Hauser. So I thought about this um, as you were kind of talking about him getting a lot of ground outs, right? Of his 15 total outs, 10 of them were ground outs. And we talked about before the season, Tyler, about Brett Anderson being a fit. I think this defense with Colton Wong and now Urias up the middle, that helps Adrian Hauser as much as it made sense to bring back Brett Anderson. I think that allows him to pitch the way that he should be pitching, and it shows. You know, yes, he did give up six hits, but no earned run over five innings. We'll take that every time out if that's what we get from Adrian Hauser. I think you're spot on with what you're talking about, the improved defense that these pitchers should benefit from. It's it's true. 
We added even Travis Shaw is not to be taken lightly. I was looking up today. As a brewer, his best season at third base, he posted an 11 DRS. Now, I forget what year that was in. But add that to, like you said, Wong and Urias up the middle, you're looking at a pretty dang good infield. Now, obviously, there's a big glaring hole here in Kesson Hira. Had the air to, uh, over the weekend where the ball went right under his glove. Two runs scored as a result. Had the throwing miscue. Wasn't charged with an air for that. And now that Colton Wong is on the injured list here with an oblique injury, there's going to be some potential shuffling around of Kesson Hira. We saw him on Sunday. He sacked Dan Vogelbach, went in first. Hira was on the bench. But Craig Council said he is not opposed to having Kesson Hira play a little bit of second base during this time frame here. So what's your initial gut reaction when you hear that? Actually, that would be how I want Craig Council to handle this. And I might not, I might be in the minority here, but one, any time in the field for Keston, if he can just continue to not necessarily completely focus on that, because obviously you still want him in the lineup for his stick, but just fielding some ground balls I don't think is going to be a bad thing. And the long injury is doesn't sound like it's any long-term issues, so... Having Keston there to just continue to practice fielding, even though it's not at first base, is a good thing. Um, yes, there might be some errors. Yes, you know, it's not going to benefit guys like Brett Anderson, Adrian Hauser quite as much, but it is going to benefit your young star in Keston Hira. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And at the same time, I think you actually figure out if Dan Vogelbach can do the job at first at at the same time while Keston is still figuring it out. I don't think he's going to take over Keston's spot at first by any stretch of the imagination, but you can kind of figure out over a larger sample size is Dan Vogelbach, the Dan Vogelbach we saw in Milwaukee in 2020, or is he the guy we saw for the rest of his career? If you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know my opinion on this. I think it's going to be a lot closer to what we saw the rest of his career. But this gives us a little bit more of an extended look at, okay, we could have Keston stick still in the lineup, but still see what Vogelbach is. If he just a change of scenery is going to change the course of his career again, I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does you can find a place for him and, and try to figure something out. But that would be the one thing. I do actually like that idea, and I think it makes a lot of sense because you're keeping a guy like Keston in the lineup, and you're also seeing, or maybe it's just increasing value for Dan Vogelbach. You know, we'll just have to wait and see, but I do like that idea, and I do think it gives you the best offensive firepower that you can have um, with this set of guys, and that's something that I think should be more important than Keston kicking a few. And he will do it. We know he's going to do it. But be prepared for that. And hopefully this series was him starting to come around with that stick and he's he's going to be more the Keston hero that, that we saw in his first year in the majors. Now, when this news first broke that Wong was going to the IL, I had literally the exact same thought, thought process that you just said. Put Vogelbach at first, Hira back at second, you got an improved offense on paper anyway. Yes, that's good. And I like that point you added, too, about potentially adding value for Vogelbach. Because a guy without options, that makes sense if he could be, you know, a potential trade bait down the road. Who knows? 
But then the Brewers decided to go and complicate things because they signed D. Strange Gordon to a minor league deal over the weekend. So he is still trying to clear the COVID protocol, intake testing, or whatever, but he's going to pan out as a second baseman. And throughout his career, he has been a great hitter for average. He won a batting title in 2015. He's a prolific base stealer, has stolen over 60 bases two times throughout his career. One in season, he was just shy at 58. He's received MVP votes. Yeah, obviously that was all like in the mid, you know, 2015, 2016. Still, still a valuable player. He didn't make it out of the Reds' camp this year. But now the question is, if he comes up while Wong's on the aisle, do you want a more extended look to see what Strange Gordon has? Or do you want a more extended look to see what Dan Vogelbach can do for you? Or do you kind of mix and match them both? There's no guarantee that Strange Gordon's going to come up here because he was signed to a minor league deal and we have to clear room for him on the 40-man roster. But I think I'd rather see D. Strange Gordon over Vogelbach at this point. I mean... I would rather see that too, but as you were kind of laying out there, one, we don't know if it will happen, if he ever makes it to the to the Brewers organization, or actually up to the major league level, but if he does, it's going to take some time before that happens, and in the meantime, you get a look at Vogelbach, so I do think it's not one or the other. I think you can get a little bit of both, um, but I think I'd lean, if and if slash when he gets up here to the major league level, then I would say I would lean towards what you're saying. I think I'd rather see Keston go back to first to try to get a little bit more comfortable there. Um, I do think there's benefit in still giving Keston field time, whether it's at first or second, if D is not there yet. But overall, I do think once he is there, if he gets there, I do like him in the lineup a little bit more than Vogelbach, but I do think we're still going to see Vogelbach here for a while and and see what he's able to do in a little bit of an extended playing time. And I I think that'll be very very interesting to watch. Um, and we'll we'll see if he even gets up to the majors because that's I feel like that's a pretty big question mark at this point. Yeah, so when they signed him right before Wong went on the IL, so I was like, oh, you know, they're improving the infield depth in the minor leagues just in case something happens and then also Wong goes on the L so I was like hmm maybe they knew that was coming uh, but yeah like you said it's gonna take time and Vogelbach's off to a, a decent start this year making pretty good contact not striking out a ton and he's got this entertainment value to him right like on Sunday he uh, caught some Cardinals runners in a pickle that were between second and third. So rather than, you know, throwing the ball to one of the base, Dan Vogelbach sprinted across the infield grass, which was just a sight to see Dan Vogelbach streaking. So I'd like to see some more of that, as weird as that sounds. So. I, I would not word that how you just did. You'd like to see more of Dan Vogelbach streaking. Yikes. <laughs> Well, okay, well, whether it's through the infield or him trying to streak to second to leg out a double, you know, think whatever you want. <laughs> use, use a different word. Use a different word. Sprint. I'd like to see, how about motor? I'd like to see a motor around the infield. <laughs> That's a little better. I'll give it to you. <laughs> uh, chug. There we go. We could use chug. That might be the, the right adjective there. <laughs> uh, speaking of struggling to come up with adjectives to describe things, did you see J.P. Feierheisen's changeup this weekend? So it was featured on the Pitching Ninja, and I saw it during the game. 
because I, I wrote an article literally before his appearance. I was talking about how he's been throwing a lot more sliders this year, hasn't given up a hit off it. And I was like, he's looking good. I think he's working his way up to, to kind of be that bridge between uh, Williams and Hayter. And then all of a sudden he goes out and throws a bunch of change-ups. This would have been on Saturday. And that thing was dropping. Everyone started calling it the firebender. So obviously trying to replicate the airbender for Devin Williams. But now you got the firebender. So the Brewers have two elements here to play with. I, I really like what I'm seeing out of this kid so far. This is a guy that, Tyler, you and I have been talking about since basically the Brewers were in their offseason last year. <laughs> like this is this is something that we have been watching quite a bit. And yeah, that pitch, that changeup, that is ridiculous. I I don't know if it's quite Devin Williams, but that is a crazy pitch to add to his repertoire and it it's going to be exciting if he can continue to use it effectively. Um, and, and I, I do think this is going to be something that he could be that bridge type of player there. There is, we've been talking, or I've been talking about Drew Rasmussen being that guy, but if we can have two guys be in contention for that, and that's exciting for Brewers fans, um, that just really makes me feel even better about a bullpen that I already felt pretty damn good about. So that's definitely exciting. And yeah, that. I've just been watching it on repeat since you brought it up um, on Pitching Ninja. So, yeah, that that is really, really fun to watch. And that definitely definitely gives the Brewers another weapon coming out of that bullpen. Yeah, Rasmus and I agree. That's who my early favorite was, too. We were talking about all offseason. But he's off to a little bit of a slow start here to begin the year. Ended up giving up that go-ahead homer to Arenado on the series opener. But throughout uh, Rasmussen's two innings of work here. He did get four strikeouts. So like the dude has swing and miss stuff, just small sample size so far. So I hope we all kind of relax a little bit on Drew. All right, let's switch over here to our series MVP. And series dud. So who do you got for MVP? Ooh, MVP. I was going to go Avi, but... I, I got to go with my guy, Corbin Burns. He has been incredible. The flow's electric. His stuff is electric. And, like, I, I just can't wait for another Corbin Burns day. And really, it's it's two days, right? Two days in a row that I get really excited of Woody and Burns back-to-back because it feels like we have two aces. And, yeah, we've had Woody last year, and he was our ace, but it really feels feels like we have true legit two legit aces right now and that is very very exciting to have that level of talent in the starting rotation and then there's still other talent right you got guys like adrian hauser freddie peralta you know it's exciting to talk about these pitchers and corbin burns is at the front of the list for that right now for me oh me too one would dare say i'd like to see him streak through opposing lineups Nope, doesn't work there either. <laughs> I tried. I was really no. trying. <laughs> uh, well, Burns was my MVP last time. He's on my, or last series, he is in my honorable mention notes here. I'm going to go with Avi. We already mentioned his stats for the series. Three and nine, two homers, seven RBIs. 
Just absolutely great stuff. And he was hitting the ball hard. Both of his home runs left the bat at 110 miles per hour this series. Just <laughs> insane. For, uh, you know, I I don't view Avisil Garcia as like your traditional four hitter in the lineup batting cleanup. But it might make sense. He doesn't necessarily possess like 30 home run power. But he hits for a little bit of a higher average and is still a power threat. So, it's your non-traditional cleanup batter, which is where he's been batting most of the season, and it kind of—I kind of like it because then he can get on base, and you got you know Travis Shaw coming behind him most of the times, JBJ who got a little bit of pop in the bat, so he's almost like a second table setter there in the cleanup spot. So I, I like what I'm seeing out of Bobby. Yeah, yeah, obviously that's a that's a big a big series for him, and it makes this fourth outfielder thing like more interesting because obviously. Christian Yelich, he's going to get a day here or there of rest, but he's out there. So then there's three guys fighting for two positions. And last series, it was Kane with that came through with some clutch offense. Then this series, it's Avi Garcia. So obviously, JBJ is going to be next, who's going to have a big series. And I just, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that nightmare of having four good players to try to figure out, okay, who to put in where, like when to take the hot bat out or, you know, how long of a leash do you give these guys? It's, I don't think it's very easy, but looking at their stats, JBJ, two of 10, Kane, one of the eight, Avi, three of nine, pretty similar in terms of at bat numbers. So, I mean, Craig Council is doing a damn good job of it in, in something that if he continues to be able to pull the right strings, this outfield is going to be one of the best in in baseball because they they got a fourth guy that is as good as two and three because right now overall you know not taking into account the years so far I think I'd put Avi as the four but I don't think there's much of a difference between JBJ and Lorenzo Kane at that two and three spot but then Avi can have series like this and and he could be your number two it's just it's kind of crazy what we're going through with them, but it's a good problem to have. And, and it's really fun to watch and because you never know, you never know who's going to show up and who's going to make the big play. And that's awesome that these guys are still getting their opportunities on a regular basis. Um, and you also get the effect of having another just good baseball player in general. Right. Like we even saw JBJ this series bring a home run back. So it's like, you have two gold glovers out there in center field. Kane needs a rest day. You got JBJ to throw in there. Yeah, like like you said, they're pretty interchangeable. I think the weirdest part about this outfield so far is that Christian Yelich is the only one who hasn't hit a home run so far. <laughs> He's the last one. Uh, really bizarre. But he did have a good series. Got on base six times. Three of them via the base hits. Three walks. Still two bases. So... Definitely seeing the ball a lot better. Only one strikeout here this series against the Cardinals. Let's move over. Who do you got for series dud? Uh, so I have Urias. Did I did I do Urias last week too? You done did him. <laughs> yeah, this this happens. I definitely repeat players if they continue to struggle, and he did. He did get on base by walking, but another 0 of nine. Less strikeouts this week with or this series with only two. And part of the reason I wanted to bring him up in the dud, and I still I still want or was gonna have him as my dud, but the other thing that I kind of thought of since we were talking about um D Strange Gordon, 
he can play shortstop too. Do you think that was part of that move of potentially having more of a backup to Urias if he, if the Brewers are like he just can't do it, he can't be our offensive even eight hitter. Could that be a role for him as well? Because he has played second, short, and even in the outfield some as well. So do you think that could be a role for him and that potentially be a reason why they signed him as well? I think it could be a role for him. His throwing arm isn't as strong as what it used to be, which is why they kind of have shifted him over to second base as the years have gone along. But he's still obviously his speed. He's a slick fielder. And you, they're going to give Urias a long shot here. So, I mean, depends how long of a leash they have with Urias, right? Like, if all of a sudden you're saying, all right, D-Strange Gordon, after the All-Star break, you're it. Or, you know, they sign someone else to kind of mix and match in between there. I think that's fine. But I don't think you'll see him there extended anytime sure. soon. And I, th- I think that's the right way to go about it. It was just something when I was looking him up that he could play shortstop as well. And that might that might be a longer-term play from from David Stearns and the, and the Brewers organization. That man is smart. He knows what he's doing, and he's got a plan. So I'm just here for Definitely. the ride. <laughs> um, my dud, I know I just told us to relax on him, but I am going to give it to Drew Rasmussen because the dud is relevant here. Like, the Brewers should have swept the Cardinals this series. That's what it really felt like. But unfortunately, he gave up the go-ahead homer to Nolan Arenado, and that's what cost us our one game in this series. So that's really my main reason for giving him a dud. I had honorable mention in Josh Lindblom, who's just continued to look awful. He threw two innings. We put him in when we were up by a crap ton of runs on Saturday. He ends up giving up three earned runs, a big homer. Not looking good there for Lindblom. I... I know it's early, but I'm starting to press the, you know, drop button. Like, eh, let's get him out of here, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he'll come back from it. But, yeah, he has not had the start to the season that, that we would like. And and hopefully this means, you know, he comes back and we're starting to see closer to what we would expect from him. Kind of like what happened with Hira, at least at the plate in this series. Time will tell. I mean, he was the MVP in the KBO League, so the stuff's there somewhere. He's just got to find it here and really didn't have it all spring training, doesn't have it now. So hopefully he figures something out here in the near future. Maybe some home cooking will do it for him. We have the Cubs coming up again, so another three games, and we have a bunch of pitching rematches coming up. So Monday night, it's going to be Peralta versus Alzale. That's a rematch. Woodruff versus Hendrick on Tuesday night. That's a rematch. And then Wednesday for the finale, we will have Jake Arrieta versus Corbin Burns. That should be a very intriguing matchup to watch if you're able to during the middle of the day. But since we last saw the Cubs, they played the Pirates, and they lost the series to the Pirates. So that's pretty funny. The Cubs are coming in off back-to-back series losses here, so hopefully we just continue to you know stomp on their throat and let's take another series against them. Yeah, yeah. And, and you always ask me, Tyler – what I look for in the next series. And you already mentioned it, this pitching lineup. I want to see Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, just go out there and win the series themselves. I still want to see the offense. I still want to see that continue to get better and and stay consistent, all those types of things. But I want to see these three come out and just show you you know, in Freddie's case, why they signed him to that deal and then why 
Woody and Burns are your aces of this rotation. Go out and just, like you said, just step on their throats. Don't let up. Let's go out there and get it. Um, And I do think this series, if they're able to sweep it and do that, I think a lot of it's going to lie on this starting pitching to get them through. Um, I'm going to go, Freddie's going to go five, no earned runs. Um, I just don't know if they're going to push him past that. Woody and Burns are both going to go six plus, you know, maybe seven, but they're going to go six plus. Each going to give up a couple hits, but that's it. No earned runs. Our starting pitching is going to be phenomenal. And our bullpen is going to be solid enough following the offense who is going to average three to four runs in this this series each game. So there you go. There's there's the game plan. There's the series sweep of the ever-hated Chicago Cubs. <laughs> yeah. I think Freddie Peralta is probably the most interesting one I'm looking for because, like, you want to see him repeat. You want to see him do well again in his, what will be his second start of the year. So – Five innings, zero earned runs. That was his first start. That's what you projected for his second start here. I'd be very pleased with that. That's that's all you need. He hasn't been very efficient this year, but it doesn't matter. If he's going out every five days and gives you five innings, That that's perfectly fine. I know you've been a big proponent of that since we've talked about him in the, in the lineup. And this Cubs offense is still struggling. They're slumping. So I think this is a great opportunity for him to keep building upon some early season momentum because I think we know Woodruff and Burns are going to continue to do it no matter what. Not that I jinxed them. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for us here today. We will get out of here. We will recap the Cubs series. So we'll have a podcast coming out on Thursday, the 15th, hopefully with a series sweep. That was Trevor's prediction. Also, hopefully, we can not use Luis Urias as a series dud. I think that'd be another big plus. So come on, Urias, get it together. Hopefully, next time, we'll be seeing him as our MVP. But make sure you hit subscribe, stay up to date with all that we got going on, and we'll talk to you later, Brewer fans. Trust in Stearns. <laughs>